0: Amen. Thank you, JD. All right, so I'm a little taller. I'm going (laughs) to pull this thing up real quick. I should have measured it beforehand. Um, So, like I said in the video, you've heard me sing a little bit. Um, I'm going to preach today. If you've been in my small group or hung out with me for any amount of time, you know that I really love to talk. Uh, So uh, I'm going to stick to my notes. If I'm looking down like this, it's not because I don't want to look at you. It's because I want to get you out of here on time. And uh, second thing, fair warning, um, (laughs) when I speak and I get really excited about something and I get really passionate about something, that's when my southern accent comes out. (laughs) Some of you have have commented that that my accent isn't that thick, the thickest you've heard. It's there, I promise, right? And I'm not ashamed of it or anything like that, but I just want you to be ready just in case it comes out. A couple of months ago, um, Nikki and I were over at JD and Natalie's and we were playing, what is the, I never remember the name of it categories. Um, And so you're given a word, right? And for each uh, letter of the word, you have to write something that relates to that word. And so I got the word garbage. Um, And I don't know how many of you know or have had experience, um, but the letter R is in garbage. and We had to pick things that smell like garbage. I don't know how many of you know, but rattlesnakes smell like garbage. They smell terrible. if you put like raw meat in a bucket and left it out in the rain all day and then it was like 100 degrees the next day, what it would smell like at the end of that, that's what rattlesnakes smell like. So I wrote that out. And J.D. and Natalie, who grew up only like, JD grew up only like 20 minutes north of me, but it's like the city and the country in Georgia, that, that distance. And, um, and so they were like, rattlesnakes, what are you talking about? And Nikki, it wasn't me this time, <laughs> Nikki, who grew up even farther south than me, took it upon herself to exclaim, slam the table and say, y'all ain't never heard a rattlesnake? (laughs) Y'all ain't never smelled a rattlesnake before? Right, I messed it up. Y'all ain't never smelled no rattlesnake before? So uh, at her expense, I asked her permission to tell that story. But at her expense... Um, just a fair warning that it might come out for me. So today, uh, I'll be finishing up our series, No Acting Required. Um, You've heard a couple of different words used over the last three weeks. One of the big ones you've heard uh, is hypocrisy, right? And we've defined hypocrisy as when there's a gap between your public persona and your private character, the difference between who you really are and what you make people believe that you are. And what I want to, or try to make people believe that you are, what I want to talk about today is that performance side of things, the word performance. And so today, I've titled our message, The Danger of Performance. Um, Now, performance tends to have uh, a couple of connotations with it. One We tend to think of like theater, and we're in a theater, and we tend to think of like music and stuff like that. So when JD came uh, to me and was like, here's the four words, immediately I was like, well, I have to talk about performance. Because it does apply to me and what we do up here, right? It definitely applies to uh, how we set up Sunday, how we present a Sunday service or any other service. But it also applies to us as all believers, right? We can come in here. Ultimately, we are the church, no matter where we meet, in a park, in a building, in a different building, um, on, online, Facebook, whatever, right? How you act in Zoom, right? It can still be a performance, right? And so today, as we talk about this, whenever I talk about the church, I'm not talking about the building, right? I'm talking about us, Right? And so this applies whenever we're hanging out. It's not just on Sunday mornings, it's anytime we are doing community together. We want to not perform, but we want to present what, another word that we're going to focus on today uh, authenticity. And authenticity uh, is kind of uh, defined a little like two different ways. Um, the world and the pre Christian might define authenticity as being true to your own self. Like, being true to your own spirit, your own character, little s spirit, right? Um, you hear people say, you know what, you do you. I'll do me, you do you, right? Be true to yourself, I'll be true to myself, and we'll either get along or go our separate ways, right? And to some extent, we are talking about that today, right? To some extent, I do want, like, I don't want Carson to, to pretend he's not having a bad day just because he's at church, right? <laughs> if he's having a bad day, I want to know. I want to come alongside him and help with that, Right? So yeah, you do you. But as a Christian, we're going to define it a little bit differently. An authentic Christian is one who is true to the Holy Spirit, the uppercase Spirit of God inside them, and true to the character of Jesus. So an authentic Christian is one who would say, I'm jacked up, <laughs> right? That's what my, uh, my campus minister in college would always say, right? He wouldn't say... Oh, you're all a bunch of sinners. He'd get really country and say, we're all jacked up, right? And so uh, be true to that, but also realize that we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us as believers, as Christians, and that he ultimately guides us through conviction in a certain path to lead us closer to the character of Jesus, and that's what being an authentic Christian is. In fact, if you read the book of Acts when, the, when the, um, the following of Jesus first started after his crucifixion, fiction, resurrection, and ascension back into heaven, um, the original believers weren't actually called Christians. They were referred to as the way, probably because Jesus uh, told people quite often that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so they were called followers of the way. Well, at some point in history, J.D. probably knows better than I do, um, but they, uh, a group of people started insulting followers of the way, by calling them the Greek word christianos, which means little Christs. And at some point, the believers were like, you know what, we like that better. It's one word <laughs> that's not followers of the way. So we started calling ourselves Christians. It was an insult, and we were like, cool, we'll take that. So um, the word Christian literally means little Christ. So as Christians, we are called to be authentic followers of Jesus, little Christs. So uh, what I'd like to talk about And how I want to spin that is what happens when we as individuals do not value authenticity in our personal relationships and how that affects all of us corporately as a church. So if I say, I'm going over to Drew's house to play video games and I put on a performance and I'm, by the way, Drew just like destroys me at FIFA. Never play FIFA with Drew unless you want to get destroyed. He's really good at it. Um, and, or real soccer, either. <laughs> so um, the, uh, what I want to uh, bring together is that if I go to Drew's house, and I pretend to be someone else so that Drew will like me, and I hide all of the, all of the other stuff that I'm like, eh, you, you know, then ultimately he can't get to know me, and as a Christian— we can't help each other. As Christians, we can't come alongside each other and help each other grow. Now, this doesn't mean what I'm not preaching today is that we should all, as my mom said, put your trash out on the street, right? That's not what I'm saying. Don't just go around. I, need, I can't stand up here and just say, here's all the things that I do wrong, right? <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about interpersonal relationships with each other while we're doing community. Okay, so it all starts when we talk about authenticity in the church, it all starts with JD as the leader and with me as a leader, with Kayla, with anybody else that gets up here and speaks. We can't put on a performance for you. We can't be here just to put on a performance, right? We have to be authentic in how we present the word. That's why we do sermon series like this. It would be really, really easy for JD to come up here every Sunday, pick all the really popular feel-good passages from the Bible, and let you leave feeling like you're the greatest thing ever. And there are definitely times where we need that, right? We need to be built up that way. But we would be doing a disservice to you and to God and to the scriptures if we didn't teach hard things too. And that's part of being an authentic Christian because Jesus said some hard things too. Um, Actually, right at one, J.D. talked about his popularity. One of his most popular sermons where he told the the most people, he preached almost 5,000 plus people, 5,000 men, that didn't include the women and the children, is his most popular sermon. And right after that, he taught his most difficult sermon. And even the disciples came to him and they were like, this is hard, (laughs) right? Jesus taught some hard stuff, okay? And we have to be true to that. It would be really, really easy for me to get up here and just perform all the songs that everybody loves that aren't deep, right? That don't have really meat to them. It would be really easy for me to pick all the ones that are upbeat and really fun, and I love those songs. I hope you've figured that out by now, right? But I could easily go on the internet and find the 10 most popular songs and only rotate those 10 songs and everybody would feel good about themselves, right? But I'd be doing doing a disservice to you if I didn't give you meat to chew on in some of these songs and things that really attach to you, right, and really reach you where you are. Because if all I do is play upbeat, happy songs, what happens to the person who does come in who had a, a bad week, right? What happens to the person who doesn't learn how to lament, right? And we'll be learning about that uh, pretty soon, after Easter probably. All right, so part of our role as believers is to be authentic, but our tendency as humans is towards performance. We totally, whenever we meet new people, right? Of course, when we meet brand new people, we're a little guarded, right? That's why as we get to know each other and build these relationships, uh, it's important that we remain authentic to who we are and to who Christ is in us. Um, And we're often afraid that people will find out who we really are. So I majored in psychology in college. And uh, for two years I was undeclared, had no idea what I was going to do. And when you tell people, hey, I'm undeclared, they ask what your major is, you say, I'm undeclared. They're just like, oh, okay, that's cool, it's fine. I remember the first time I ever told somebody that uh, I was majoring in psychology they had the same reaction every single time. There's two reactions every time after that. One, if I say, "Hey, I'm a psych major." They'll say they'll be like skeptical, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, what am I thinking right now?" I'm like, "Sure, that's how it works." Now, I did learn some stuff. I started messing with them. I'd be like, "Uh, don't think about tacos." Now you're all thinking about tacos and I just read your mind, right? But more often, most people actually reacted with a little bit of fear. Right? And so I'd say, "I'm a psych major," and they'd say, "Oh, oh, I better not talk to you too much. You might find out some, Are you psychoanalyzing me right now? Right, and for whatever reason, and no, I'm not psychoanalyzing all of you right now, just some of you. Now, if for whatever reason, um, that same reaction happens a lot, and I know JD has experienced this, I know Nikki has, I'm sure many of you have, that same kind of reaction happens a lot when you tell people you're a Christian. Right, you say, oh, I'm, I'm a Christian. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm playing flag football now in a, in a BSSC league um, some people found out that I uh, go to a church, and um, uh, or that I work at a church, and the, it's not that it's necessarily bad, but attitudes change, right? It's not always bad, but people change who they are when they find out that you're a Christian sometimes. They'll say things like, oh, uh, I better stop cussing, or oh, I'm sorry I said that five minutes ago, is that gossip, right, <laughs> whatever, something like that. You know, and the truth is, I don't want people to change who they are around me. I want them to be their true, authentic selves, right? And I'll be my true, authentic self. And if you see something in me that you're wondering what it is, then I'll be happy to tell you. So as we get into this idea of being authentic, the the scripture passage I want to bring us to is Psalm 51, 14 through 17, Psalm 51, 14 through 17, now, if you've been in my small group, you know that uh, context is king for me, right? I, I have to know what's going on in, in history, in time, in space, whatever, when this is happening. So, all the Psalms are poems or songs, most of them written by uh, King David, some written by a few others. But this particular one was written uh, as repentance uh, for something that David had done. He... Um, saw a woman, a married woman, and he uh, decided he wanted to marry her. And so he ultimately uh, slept with her and had her husband killed and all of this stuff, right? So he's a a murderer and an adulterer. And he realizes this, and then he writes this psalm. he says, deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. Right, he doesn't beat around the bush. Like Ed said last week, right, name the sin and repent from it. That's what David is doing here. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Now, back in these times, part of their repentance process was to perform certain rituals, perform certain animal sacrifices and different things. And what David is saying here is kind of ahead of his time, a little bit, where he says, you don't even want that. It's not about the burnt offering. It's not about picking the right lamb or the right bull or the right whatever. It's not about uh, how long I lay at this altar. It's about my heart a broken and contrite heart. He's talking about repentance, right? Turning away. He's like, if all it takes, right? He says in verse 16, for you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. If all it took was a sacrifice, I'd do that, but you want my heart to change. All right, and so we'll focus on verse 16 and 17 as we move forward. As a church, it is important that we, as individuals and collectively, pursue open and honest relationships with each other and most importantly with God. So with that in mind, I'm going to split the the rest of the message into two parts. Performing for others and performing for God. Okay, and let's start with performing for God. So I should have said that one first. Who who here has ever been caught in a lie? Who here? Yeah, yeah. And who, when caught, chose to go deeper and lie again? (laughs) How does that work for you? No, it doesn't, right? It doesn't work at all, right? But... Here's the truth. Here's the truth. Yeah, parents are looking at their kids right now. Here's the truth. It is our tendency to hide rather than to confront. It is our tendency as broken humans to hide rather than to confront. See, for all of you who raised your hand and said, Yeah, I went deeper into that lie, you're in really good company because that's been happening since Adam and Eve. (laughs) If you. Um, if you read verse uh, chapter two and three of Genesis, you'll see that Adam and Eve disobey God,'s the first sin, the first time. They disobey God by eating a for- fruit from a forbidden tree. And when this happens, they realize their brokenness, they realize their shame and their nakedness, and they hide. They actually make coverings, they take leaves and they cover themselves up, and then they hear God walking in the garden, and they go and hide. And God doesn't come out stomping and slinging a sword or a whip or anything saying, where are you? I know what you did. He came up and he actually just says, where are you? Like he wants Adam and Eve to come out on their own. He wants repentance. He always has. And then Adam comes out and God says, what you doing? <laughs> Why are you hiding? And he says, we, we are naked and we're ashamed and we're afraid and so we hid. So we go through this whole thing he says, who told you you're naked? You must have eaten from the tree. You must have disobeyed. And then Adam does this. It's like, one of my. Sometimes it's hard to read like human behavior into the scripture, but this is one time where it's easy. Adam, being a typical dude, says, Well, God, this woman <laughs> that you gave me, right? He blames Eve, goes deeper. And then he has the audacity to blame God just a little bit. Instead of confronting, it is our tendency to hide. See, God was giving Adam and Eve the opportunity to repent, but verse 17 says God desires a contrite heart, that's repentance, more than any ritual that we could perform. So as uh, Pastor J.D. said last week, at the end of the service, guilt of sin brings shame and casts us down. It happened to Adam and Eve, it happens to us. It brings us shame, casts us down, wants us to hide our face, to hide completely. But God in his mercy and grace lifts us back up. God is not here to shame us for performing, he's here to call us out of performance into authentic relationship with him. So here's the good news for us. God would rather we come to him with all of our flaws, all of our failures, all of our mess, than to come and perform some rituals, recite a few prayers, mindlessly sing a few songs, and call that a relationship. Performance for God leads us into a life of religious stress. Anybody here ever felt religious stress? I definitely have. Man, I just got to go to, I don't want to go to church today. I just got to go. I got to check the box so all the right people see that I was there, right? Oof. Performance for God leads us to a life of religious stress. But Jesus, in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 29, says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle in heart and you will find rest for your souls. So here's the truth. Performance may seem like you're 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 fooling someone, but you're ultimately hurting yourself because religious performance brings stress. Religious performance brings stress. Relationship with Jesus brings rest. Religious performance brings stress, relationship with Jesus brings rest. And this is the gospel. Right? This is the gospel story that we can't do it on our own. We're not fooling anybody. We're certainly not fooling God. Our performance ultimately lacks. But God doesn't. God didn't come, Jesus didn't die so that we could perform and not live for real. So we often come and we perform for God, but what happens when we as a church perform for others? What happens when we try to pr- prove to people or um, get people to believe that that we're different than what we really are. Who here, by the way, can say, and I'm not gonna ask you what it is, but here's another psychology point. Who here can say there's something about themselves right now that they don't like? All right, everybody raise their hand. That's part of the insecurity of, that comes with the fall. That's why Adam and Eve hid. Every single person in here just raised their hand to say there's something about themselves that they don't like. Being authentic with each other Means at some point you're probably going to have to be honest with that about somebody. It doesn't mean you have to be honest with that about everybody, or about that with everybody. So, um, one of my favorite movies, probably top three, definitely top five, is a movie called The Prestige. Has anybody seen that before? The Prestige? All right, so it's a, it's a movie about magic, and it's got Christian Bale and um, Hugh Jackman. So it's basically like Batman, Batman and Wolverine doing magic. It's the best movie <laughs> ever. Um, and so uh, they're two young, up-and-coming um, uh, magicians, and they're working for this guy who's an old magician who's been doing the same uh, tired old tricks, and they're getting tired of it. And the guy that runs all of the props and everything in the back is kind of their mentor, and he tells them, go to this place over in Chinatown, and watch this one performance by this one old guy. He does the same trick every night. Nobody can figure it out. When you can figure out how he does that trick, you'll know what it takes to do a, a great magic trick. So they go and they watch and they sit in different spots so they can have different perspectives. And the old man walks out. He, he walks out on stage in this big gown and there's a fishbowl on a table, a big fishbowl full of water sitting on a table, and he walks up, and he takes his robe sleeves, and he puts it around the, around the, the bowl, and he shakes them for a second, and he moves them and the bowl's completely gone, and he turns, and he hobbles off the stage, and that's the whole trick, and so everybody's amazed, nobody can figure it out, even them sitting in the audience can't figure it out, the two guys, and so the next scene, Christian Bale is standing outside the back of the theater, and he's watching the magician leave, and his wife is there, he's talking to her. And she says, why are we still here? What are you doing? He says, this is the performance. This is the performance. Back here, back in the back street, in the back alley. And the old man is still walking out. He's getting into his car. He's still doing this, right? Still walking. And what Christian Bale is saying, I don't remember his name in the movie. um, What he's saying is this isn't actually an old man. He's actually a very strong young man. But he's acting the whole time. Because he's taking the bowl, putting it between his legs, and walking off stage. But he has to act the whole way out there, like he's a hunched over old man, so that he looks the same when he's walking off. And not only that, he has to perform when he's not on stage, in case someone sees him, so they don't figure it out. And the point, the reason I'm telling you that is because either our performance ends, or our whole life eventually becomes a performance, Like, how deep are we going to go? If we're not authentic, how deep into the performance are we going to go? Nathaniel Hawthorne said, no man for any considerable period can wear one face to himself and another to the multitude without finally getting bewildered as to which one may be true. I have um, friends, family members, who I know got so deep into lies that by the time they were caught, literally, like, it took courts days, months, to untangle everything that they had done to figure out how much prison time they should get. And that's an extreme example. But it's true. The longer you perform, the more convoluted it gets, and you can even forget who you really are. So who do we perform for? We perform for our boss, our coworkers, our friends, our family, our neighbors, social media. The list could go on for forever. But what happens when church gets put on that list? What happens when this moment, anytime we're hanging out together with each other, what happens when that gets put on the list? The main thing that happens is when we perform, there's no spiritual growth. We just stay exactly what we are or we get worse. There's no growth. Um, Warren and David Wearsby, they're famous authors and uh, they've written entire commentaries for the entire Bible. Um, and this particular quote is about ministry in general, but it's not just for ministers, right? Your life as a Christian as a believer is a ministry. So hear these words. When ministry or the Christian life becomes a performance, then the sanctuary becomes a theater, and yes, I know we're in a theater, but that's not, you know what it means? It becomes a place for performance. Let me start that over. When ministry becomes a performance, then the sanctuary becomes a theater. The congregation becomes the audience. Song worship becomes entertainment, and man's applause and approval becomes the measure of success. If I get up here, and um, you're not singing, and you don't clap at the end of my songs, you know, sometimes it hurts, and I'm like, man, they didn't like me, right? Sure, I'll be transparent about that, but I'm not here for me either. So even if, you know, if the reason you didn't clap or the reason you didn't uh, shout for joy or whatever, may, may not my performance may have been terrible, that's fine, but God can still work through that. God can still speak through that, and that's part of being authentic, from my perspective and from yours. It's hard, um, so I listen to a lot, of, a lot of different kinds of music, but uh, I know that it's hard to sit and listen when it's not necessarily your favorite type of music, and I get that. But being an authentic Christian, you don't have to pretend you like the song, by the way. Don't tell me you like it if you don't. Be real about that. But being an authentic Christian is reading the words and saying, do I believe that or not? When spiritual performance increases, spiritual growth decreases. When spiritual performance increases, spiritual growth decreases. In our own personal lives and for us as a church. Now, uh, the Bible says in Proverbs 27, 17 that As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. This means that we have to come alongside each other to make each other better, not to earn salvation, but to be more Christ-like, to be more authentic. But how does iron sharpen iron? Not by sitting here and pretending to be steel. (laughs) Right? Iron sharpens iron through friction, through scraping. Sometimes being authentic hurts. Sometimes being real and improving yourself as a Christian, as a believer... Improving hurts and can be painful. Um, Noah and Owen. <laughs> it's been mentioned before that I teach them PE. And who loves push-ups, guys? Owen's asleep. Oh, he woke up over here in push-ups. He thinks he has to do push-ups. <laughs> All right, they can do more now than they could a month ago because I push them, because it hurts, because iron sharpens iron, and it takes friction. And there's days they don't want to do it. And believe me, I know they're talking bad about me behind my back. And it's fine, because Coach Nick is different from Friend Nick. And they still get on and play Xbox with me later that night. So it's fine, (laughs) right? But it takes that. Now, you've heard Pastor JD say this many times. God loves us exactly where we are, but he loves us too much to leave us there. I want to add one word to that. God loves you exactly where you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there alone. He gives us his spirit, his word. Bible and, and one another, the church. We are a part of your life. We want to be a part of your life. We want to come alongside you and help you. If all we do is perform for one another, then we don't know how to help each other in our journey, and it becomes difficult for our pastors and leaders to help us move forward in faith and in spiritual growth. We can't help if we don't know, right? If you come in here and pretend everything's great, one of my, one of my pet peeves about the South in general, at least my experience in the South, um, is that there's this almost expected uh, conversation that happens, right, and I'm sure it's other places in the country, but there's this almost expected conversation that you have to have with every single person you ever see. Moving here and walking down the street and realizing that I don't have to talk to everyone that I pass by was like a, a whole revelation to me, <laughs> because in the South in South Georgia, you walk down the street, perfect stranger, never seen him before, it doesn't matter. If you make eye contact, you have to say, hey, how you doing? They're expected to say two things, either good or fine. How are you? And you're expected to say, good or fine. Those are, that's basically the whole conversation. But it's expected. And it's, it's not that anybody's like trying to be fake. It's just part of the culture. But an issue happens when that culture enters into the church. Because you come to church and somebody says, how are you doing? And you're torn up inside. But you say, I'm good. I'm fine. And you go home no better than when you came. And church is supposed to be the place where you can come to be real with people that know the struggle. The Bible also says there's no um, sin that is uncommon to man. Meaning we all are struggling with something. Right? Right? It's okay. You don't have to come here and pretend you're perfect. Whew, I got off on that. That was a rabbit trail. Um, where are we? Okay, so let's wrap it up here. Um, a Christian rapper named Lecrae, you may have heard of him, has a song called Background. It's one of my favorite songs. And whenever I feel like I'm starting to drift towards performance uh, in the worship sector, in the song worship sector of, of church, I always listen to this song. He has a line in there that says, Because if I do it by myself, then I'm scared that I'll succeed and no longer trust in you because I'll only trust in me. If we put our trust in our performance, if I, can, if I go to church and I say, man, I, I, I tricked everybody into thinking that I had a great week and that I'm doing fine, <laughs> you're actually putting your faith in yourself. You're not putting your faith in God and in the Holy Spirit to guide you and to, to change you and to help you, and you're not putting your faith in us to come alongside you. You're putting your faith in yourself to fake it. I've done it. We all do it at times, but creating a culture in a church where that is common is not the goal here. When we perform for God and for other Christians, we are saying, no God, don't help me. I can fake it. No God, don't fix me. I can fool everyone. And when we do this, we are no longer placing our faith in God, but in ourselves. So the title of this message is The Danger of Performance. So what is the danger of performance? Not that you'll get caught. The danger of performance is that you might be really good at it. You might be really good at it. And you might go to church your whole life. This is a, this is a scary statement, but this, I spent a lot of years of my life like this. You might go to church your whole life, everybody thinking everything's perfect, that you've got it all together, and never really realize that this Christian walk is about coming alongside each other as people in a broken world, broken people in a broken world, who know we're broken... Like David says, a broken and a contrite heart. It doesn't mean we come in and we say, oh, guys, I was a horrible person this week. I just need to testify to the whole congregation this morning that um, I hated someone in my head, so I'm a murderer this week, right? That's That's not the point, right? That's not the point. The point is to say that when I go out to lunch with somebody today, that I'm the same person with them that I am up here right now that I'm the same person with my wife later tonight when nobody else is around as I am right now and at lunch today. Right? Being authentic. Now, Nikki gets to see me not authentic more than anybody else, right? (laughs) She gets to see the screw-ups. You might fool all of us. The danger of performance is that you might be really good at it. You might fool all of us, but you can't and won't fool God. He knows your heart. He knows my heart, and he's standing with open arms to welcome you exactly the way you are. He loves you too much to leave you there, and we love you too much not to come alongside you in your struggle and help pull you out. What time is it? Okay, all right, one more story. One of my favorite stories from the Bible. Um, Jesus resurrects uh, his friend Lazarus. And there's this really, really minuscule detail in here. I've only ever heard one preacher point this out before. So, uh, Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. He stinks, right? Smells like a rattlesnake. <laughs> but, he couldn't resist, one more time. But, Jesus says, roll the stone away. So some guys go, roll the stone away. Jesus calls him out. Jesus does the saving. Jesus raises the dead to life. But when he comes out, he's still wrapped in grave clothes. He's still got things about him that are part of his life as a dead man. And Jesus tells other people there to pull off the grave clothes. Jesus doesn't do it himself. They don't all just magically fall off. It's our job. Jesus does the saving. Jesus brings the dead to life. But it's our job as believers to come alongside each other and help pull off the grave clothes. So I'd like to end today with a song. Of course, right? There's a song called Come As You Are. And it's a very simple message. Um, I'd like for us to use this time uh, as a time to pray with and for each other. Right? Um, I know that can be really intimidating. I'm not asking you to go to the person, right? But if you know someone in here, and if they are next to you, I do encourage you to pray with them. God, God is not... Um, right. Just, don't be intimidated because prayer is not a performance. <laughs> Right, God knows your heart, and He'll hear your prayer. Pray for each other. If you've ever prayed, if you've never prayed out loud, I know you're scared. But guess what? It's not a performance. So there is a a simple prayer that I wrote down. Um, I think I put it on the screen. I don't remember. I think I did. Help us. Yeah. Help us not to fake it. It can be this simple. Help us not to fake it. And when others pray, or when others show me who they are. I'm going to start that over. Help us not to fake it. And when others show me who they really are, help me to love them more for it. Another tendency, of uh, another stereotype of some church people is gossip, right? So it can be really, really hard sometimes for us to be honest, especially when we pray with and for each other. For us to be honest and say, man, I'm struggling with this because we are afraid that the person we just told is going to go tell everybody else. Part of being authentic is being loyal, right? Part of being authentic is being faithful to the person who's confiding in you. Romans 5 8 says, But God demonstrated his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus didn't die because we fooled him with a performance. He knew exactly who we are, and he died in our place so that we could live eternally with him. So don't put on a performance, just come as you are.